0: Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you from New York, New York, it's the Hollywood Godfather Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Gianni Russo, Patrick Piccarelli,
1: and Megan Horak.
0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Hollywood Godfather Podcast. We're proud to say this is the start of our second season. We have 20 shows in the can. A lot for you to look forward to, obviously, and listen to rather—not look forward to, but <laughs> listen, listen to—and to. Uh, tell your friends. Our our, our subscribers are increasing, fortunately, so you must be enjoying the show. I want to introduce my partners in crime, literally, <laughs> <laughs> Pat Picciarelli, Hey, everybody! And we we always go with age before beauty, and <laughs> our beauty here is Megan.
2: Uh, oh, watching out for you
0: millennium. <laughs>
2: <laughs> thank you.
0: So here you. we are. What are we going to talk about today, Pat? I think we already know, but...
3: Yeah, well, yeah, just to uh, update the audience a bit. We were talking about, uh, you, you and I, before the show started, we were talking about mob hits. Now, this, you know, anybody that has even a passing interest in mafia lore is aware that these people tend to kill each other, you know, uh, for, for, for various and or imagined slights. Uh, But uh, we've been doing our research and we've come up with uh, assassinations that have had an effect on organized crime and some that uh, that people may not have heard about uh, that uh, touched the average uh, New Yorker, so to speak. And we'll get into that later, too. But I I think it's an interesting topic. So let's uh, let's kick it off.
0: All right, well, you were on the job at that time. Or were, were you or were you? No, you're too Which, which, too which time talking about? Well, no, I, I can't spill the beans, okay? No,
3: I came on a job in 68, retired in 88.
0: Oh, okay, all right, so you weren't there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I mean, the one that I was really very close to, literally close to, like a block away, uh-huh. was when uh, Chin Gigante was a cellmate with Vito Genovese. And uh, Frank Costello, my mentor, was running the, Luch- the Luciano family, Lucky Luciano, and he was second in command because of during Prohibition, and when they started the syndicate, Luciano and uh, Frank Costello were part of that with Capone and a lot of other people, people, so um, that's why Chin took the you know the, the contract. Before that, he was just a collector. I don't know if everybody knows that Cingiganti was a professional boxer for many years. Hmm. And uh, he had three brothers, and one is a priest, obviously, and the other two um, were in not as powerful as he was. But then once Vito came out and claimed the family again, I hate to say this about Costello and uh, Carlo Gambino, they set him up with the heroin traffic he was doing it already i mean they set him up to get arrested mm. and get him deported to get him out of here because they you, start...
3: know, you have to ask yourself here's the the a, a major major gangster how could they possibly catch him with heroin in his house
0: oh, i know well i mean I...
3: uh who would possibly believe that obviously he he, he was sent away he, he he went to atlanta for a law long... he died in prison right yeah, but anyway, go ahead. Sorry,
0: Anthony. No, so I'm saying, because I mean, we're talking about, you know, as the topic tonight are mob hits. Some of them were good and some of them really goofed up, which <laughs> I think it's, it's interesting to enlighten our audience how these guys who calculate these hits sometimes just miscalculate. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, I, I know you have a couple, I have, how they miscalculated killing John Gotti and they killed Frankie Boy de Chico instead. Oh, my gosh. No, so, it's so crazy. So yeah, why, why don't you open it up with some of the characters you knew? All right. Well, uh, you see, you were on the other side. You were in the white hat.
3: I was yeah, wearing yeah. a gray hat. Oh, <laughs> even before, uh, I was never interested in, uh, in, in the, the mafia. I mean, I was a kid. You know, but this my interest started in uh, 1959. I was 13 years old. It was September. We had bought a house in Jackson Heights, Queens, uh, I was still spending a lot of time. Up until the time I was like 14 or 15, I was always going back to Little Italy and my friends and my family and all that. But at this time, I was in, in sort of flux. You know, I wasn't entrenched in Queens, and I was like halfway in between Queens and, and Little Italy. Uh, it was it was not too late at night. Uh, about 11 o'clock, I hear gunshots, and hmm. well, what I thought was gunshots. I mean, what do I know? I'm 13 years old. <laughs> Uh, but the next day, early, you know, this was it was warm, I remember, and I was up and out of bed and out of the house early on my bike. A block away was the Travelers Hotel, it's right by LaGuardia Airport. There's a lot of hotels. Oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. and in the parking lot of the Travelers, there was this Cadillac. Uh, and the bodies I heard gunshots, and I was right, but uh, they had shot two people. guy named Carfano, Anthony Carfano, who was known for some reason as Little Augie Pisano. Right. Uh, he was in the driver's seat. And a woman by the name of Janice Drake, who was married to Alan Drake, who was a big shot comedian. I mean, he was always on the Ed Sullivan show. He was a pretty famous guy. Mm-hmm. Really? Uh, she was in the passenger seat. They were both very dead. And this is the first dead bodies I would ever, ever seen. Oh, wow. You know? And I mean, it was a kid. And uh, they were, you know, seeing people after their shot is not a pretty sight, you know. And right. I, the, the image uh,
0: how old still, were you then?
3: I was 13. 13, okay. So the image, still, my father was still alive. The image still sticks in my head, you know, uh, mm-hmm. seeing those bodies. And, and I started to get an interest in this stuff, you know. I mean, a couple of years prior to that, on 57, uh, October 25th, Fifty-seven. Albert Anastasia was killed uh, oh, yeah. while getting a shave and a haircut. Park Sharon Hotel. Park Sharon Hotel. His brother uh, my brother knew him when I was him. a kid, and I, you know, I heard his name, you know, bandied about every now and then. Right. So that sort of sparked the interest. But this thing that I saw uh, really got me interested in this. So it was in, in the uh, in in the annals of organized crime hits. This is a forgotten hit. I mean, it basically, put, uh, Pisano, who was an old-time gangster, worked with Capone, uh, born in the, in, in, uh, in the end of the 19th century. He was taking uh, Costello's side uh, when Genovese got out of jail, basically. Genovese got out of jail wanted to reclaim his family. Oh, Costello...
0: I, know. I was a part of all that.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, oh, well, I was already there.
3: <laughs> I, I know, but, you know... Uh, Pizzano or Carfano, whatever you want to call him. Well, he went by Augie o- Right. He made it known that he was back in Costello and Genovese uh, didn't like this. So anyway, he's out the night of the shooting uh, uh, with Janice Drake, who was still married to Alan Drake. But uh, anyway, they were out and she said, uh, they were out to dinner at a place called Marino's in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And he gets a call at the restaurant, goes back to the table and says, you have to go. I got. I have to be someplace quickly. Uh, now he knew that he uh, he wasn't gaining favor with Vito Genovese by backing Costello, so he was careful what he was doing. But apparently not careful enough. So the uh, the plan was he was going to drop uh, Janice Drake off at a home in Regal Park, he was going to uh-huh. get on a plane and go to Miami and stay there because apparently he was told. Oh, he was warned. Okay. You, you know, get out of Dodge. The story is. The phone call was a setup. Uh, the killer was in the back seat of the car. Oh, wow! Uh, so he was already in that car, he was already in the car. Oh. And when they got to Queens, he identified himself, you know, keep driving, I'll tell you where to turn off. He turned off into the travels parking lot and shot them both in the back of the head and took off. Oh, my god, uh, naturally, you know, it's one of these unsolved. Uh, mob killings. Well, that's probably you know,
0: that's when they used to bring those zips in all the time yeah, out of exactly. Canada. And, they drive uh, in.
3: Huh. Uh, yeah, zips. For those of you who don't know who they are, they're, they're from the other country. They're Sicilians that know how to keep their mouths shut. They shoot somebody, get back in a the plane, they go home. They wow. don't be dead really
0: in a the plane. They drive here. That's too. Well, the and guys we could... used always were from Toronto or um, what's up that the mid midsection of Canada. They drove in from Delaware from. Um, Oh Jesus. Montreal. Uh, yeah, Montreal. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, these yeah.
3: guys they they believed in uh in, in the oath, they believed in the mafia. Oh my god, yeah. They
0: That's did all what they, they did. were told
3: to do. Uh correct me oh. if I'm wrong, because I got you, I don't know any of these people.
0: Did they speak English to no. great degree? Nope. Nope. I didn't think so. And you know, the biggest the biggest population of Italians other than Italy are in Canada even now. I know. Really? Yeah. Right now. Toronto. I mean, yeah. Toronto particularly.
2: Mm. Uh
3: uh, the, the, the laws uh, involving organized crime in Canada up until fairly recently, like the last 20 years, very lenient. I mean, these guys were getting away literally with murder. Uh, literally,
0: um, they were. No. Yeah. yeah. And the second Maybe that's one, where the saying came.
3: Yeah. The second one, I mean, I was out of the Vietnam. I was a police officer. 1972. Uh, you and I did discuss this uh, prior to the show, John. You know what, though? Me?
0: Let's stay with where we were just now because okay. the history that we, we just touched on and went so fast through. I mean, during that time when Vito wanted his family back, and Frank had no problem giving the family back because unbeknownst to him, they gave him that family to run because of his connection with Luciano. Yeah. But with, with that said, Vito, I mean, him, Pafacci, and Joe Bonanno, were creating their own little network. Costello, Gambino, and Joe Colombo, who was with Bavacci, was the the rat in that family. Right. And that's how Colombo got his own family.
2: Oh.
0: And then, well, I, there's some guys I don't want to name right now because they're still here. Right. But with with that said, that and that's when, like you pointed out earlier, they figured they could set him up and they had the government working with them, because as you pointed, no, gu- a guy like you know, Genovese is not going to have heroin in his house. He's not going to have any of his family. It's stupid. Yeah. And uh, but he went away for a long time. Man, five years done. he got, and he died in prison. He was, yeah. You know. But uh, uh, that's why I really think Chin. This is a strange equation, but you no, know, because it and. I'm probably the only person who can say this in the world. Two weeks after, Chin missed him, and, you know, he refused to testify, and nobody... You're talking him. about...
3: Okay, so the audience doesn't get confused. Chin took a shot
0: at Costello and grazed him. Right. right in an uh, elevator, close an range. an elevator, yeah. <laughs> Close range. Oh, my gosh. But the interesting thing, after Luciano was out, then uh, Fat Tony Salerno Ran the family, the Genovese family. And he did that for, like, I don't know how many years till he went to jail. and But they made Chin the Kappa regime already. So I think that whole thing was a, a, a fix because what I was about to say, two weeks after that attempt on him, we all sat with Chin and like he was a friend. What? Which so, another,
3: I, so we're looking at this differently perhaps
0: Chin was a good shot that's what I'm telling you to oh, so graze somebody in the head he made it look like he missed because I think he realized the fix was on they're going to get rid of Genovese they got rid of Joe Pavacci and you know the Pavacci family became the Colombo family Joe Colombo the ratted leg. them all out to the Gambinos to let them know this was coming down
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: And that's when they sanctioned Joe Bonanno and exiled him to Arizona. Arizona or Sicily. And well, he, he, kept,
3: was in, he died in Arizona.
0: I know that. Yeah, but but right. they gave him a choice. Some choice. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And, I, mean, I knew Bill, his son. I used to go to their house. But um, but he was making millions st- still in the heroin, hmm. Joe, until he yeah, there died. There
3: was a big, there's a big thing back then about... Getting into heroin, not getting into heroin.
0: Well, that's Gambino and Costello. None of them wanted to do this. That's what split those families up, the greed. Yeah. But uh, I just wanted to point that out because, you know, I was meeting Costello during those days. Right. And um, But uh, I, I find it very interesting that even the doorman couldn't pick chin out of the lineup
3: <laughs> yeah, well, what shot i didn't hear anything
1: didn't see anything that's so funny
0: but uh i'm sorry i just i just wanted to put oh, the, no, yeah. the other yeah, pieces a to the puzzle Absolutely. yeah when uh you know because i had my fingerprint all over it literally <laughs> but um you were about to talk about another hit
3: yeah uh, this this struck close to home you know i was already a cop but, uh, only about a year. And it was uh, a hotel in the LaGuardia area called El Capitan. Do you recall that, Gianni?
0: Yeah. Well, they, okay. they all those hotels and motels, they used them for a lot of things. Uh,
3: I know. <laughs> well, there was a club in the El Capitan called Conrad's Cloud Room. Hmm. And a guy, the guy that owned it was a black guy named Conrad Greaves, G-R-E-A-V-E-S. 39 years old, nice guy. You know, we, we used to go there. Because all the flight attendants used to go there. Yeah. Were you ever there? Of course. (laughs) Hacked to the doors up until they they closed at 4 o'clock in the morning. I mean, what a business this guy had. Okay, so uh, a couple of of, uh, associates, uh, Ralph Jacobson and his brother, whose name I forgot, uh, trying to shake Conrad down. And uh, he wasn't hearing it. You know, everybody warned him. You know, pay. he was pulling in like $20,000 a night in this place. It was a tremendously wow. wow, successful And this was in the 70s. I mean, a lot of money, but a very pleasant guy, very nice guy. He loved cops, loved everybody.
0: And nobody anyway, was around him? Nobody protected him?
3: Well, here's the deal. And, it, what, you know, what, uh, after relating the story about how the, the the attempted Costello hit could have been a plot, you know, to, 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 to move people around,
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, the following story could uh, add some credence to this. The Jacobson brothers are trying to force him into into, uh, paying a a weekly amount. Not much. 400 bucks. That's all they wanted. But that's a start. You get your foot in the door. Yeah, of course. Uh, Conrad was giving him a hard time. He wasn't going to do it. And everybody told him it's $400. I mean, who cares? But he he just didn't like the idea of him. You know, he was a very poor kid growing up, and he made it big. He wasn't about to give any of it up. Anyway, along comes this guy named... uh, machiero who called himself what about a street name of joe russo hmm.
0: that's you know interesting did you, did you know of him <laughs> i know uh, i knew of him because uh a, another guy just took on joe russo about okay. 10 years ago joe watts he goes oh, by he, joe russo is that name okay yeah. uh, which i said uh, he comes along you're my he, brother he, now
3: he's a make he's a may, may colombo guy he comes along and now he's playing the mediator. You know how this is going to turn out. Oh yeah, right?
0: they set him up. That's all. They,
3: they set him up. That. You know, no uh, he said, "You know, Conrad, I'll take care you're having of a hard you. time with guy these guys. I know of. these guys. We're gonna. I'm, I'm going to help you out here." Of course, that's just going to entrench the the, the Columbos into this club. And Which is exactly what they would They
0: set the guy up. How they stupid! Set him up. Yeah.
3: So it took uh, Conrad about an hour and a half to figure this out. Now he's really pissed. Goes to the Queen's DA and wants Uh-oh. to be a witness. Not only does he want to be a witness, and we all knew this. I mean, I didn't know him that well, but we hung out at the place. But, you know, and he was telling everybody, you know, screw these people. Maybe he's a little more vocal than that. But mm. he said, they're, they're, they aren't getting away with this. I'm going to be a witness, telling everybody. So, what an idiot the this
0: guy must have been.
3: He had a pair on him, but oh. he had to be a little crazy, too. Anyway. <laughs> this
0: was, was in cool. the 70s, right?
3: 72.
0: Yeah, see, yeah, I, I was already 72. out of here. I already made The Godfather.
1: Oh, yeah, that's yeah, true. Fact, see, yeah, I left in, fact, in
0: 59 was... when, as you know, after I came back and then uh, I went the other way down to South Florida. Right. And then out to Vegas. So the I, I mean, these guys, I, you know, I didn't know. Yeah. Mm. The movie was just
3: released when, when Conrad started having all this trouble. Queens DA office and 24-hour protection. A valuable witness against the Columbos. I mean, this would have been a big trial. He turns it down. Turns down the, the protection. He said, and I quote, this will be bad for business.
1: Oh, uh, no. He said, well, how about your life? <laughs>
3: the Jacobson brothers were still going in there as customers, but they they, they knew the place was lousy with cops and they weren't going to do anything in, in the place. But anyway, uh, as soon as he turned down uh, the protection and when the word got out that he was going to talk, he's leaving the club after closing up one night, 430 in the morning, walks out the door. They pump him full of holes and they light him up, a pan of gasoline.
0: Oh, my gosh.
3: Yeah, not he's already dead, but you, just to prove the point. Right. You, you oh, know, yeah, they don't, send
0: don't, in a message.
3: That's well, a hell of a message. Yeah, it's you, know, it it it, you know, and it's it's killings like this that really annoy me. I mean, if you have a beef with somebody that you, that you work with and it can't be worked out, keep it in the family. You do what you have to do. But I mean, they. This guy was married, had a family. I mean, it's for, for four hundred dollars a week.
0: Well, I'll, I'll tell you a worse killing than that. Hmm. If, you, if you, if that disgusts you, yeah. We, we get a call <laughs> from Raymond Petriaca to New York, and I, 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 they sent me up there. Uh, for the audience that don't know, Raymond Petriaca was the boss of New England, uh, and he uh, based himself out of Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. So he had the hub all through Boston, everywhere. But Raymond was not a guy to mess with a big earner. And uh, the two Mafio brothers, Mafio brothers, were trying to put heat on them like idiots. They were going to take over, like something like, the, you know, crazy Joe Gallo. And so we get a message down here, and Costello goes up there and says, find out who these guys are. So I go up there, minding my own business. And I, I meet Raymond at, at the, um, oh, what the hell was it? Uh, great place. It's still there and all that. I can't believe it. The old cantina. <laughs> oh, how do I remember, remember How do you remember this? How do you remember I know, anything? <laughs> I know. And, and around the table is uh, Jay Weiss, all these guys. I mean, not uh, Jay Weiss. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, oh. So I'm just I'm going through my head if they're still alive. I don't want to mention their but Oh, name. true. But uh, his whole crew was there. So now... They told me where these guys were. Mm -hmm. So I go down there just to see what they look like and get a description. And uh, I'm there. And I have a guy with me that they sent with me up there, which I very rarely traveled with two people. And so now I leave. The guy that was with me, they brought some other guy in. Talk about a death. They, on a Sunday morning, like it was Sicily, like they had the right to do it, they get these two brothers, they knock them out, chain them to a Buick, and drag them through the streets alive. Oh, my God. They they couldn't even make it a Cadillac. No. Now, that's an insult. But the bottom line is, like they do in Sicily, when you're a rat, they do that in Sicily, and then they put you in front of your mother's house and cut off your kumuzigam and put it in your mouth that means you're a rat or they'll get a rat and put it in your mouth now talk about they dragged these guys until they bled out and nobody stopped them
1: oh my god this went on for like
0: a good 20 minutes and where was this in providence rhode island that's uh, that's
1: absolutely insane
0: well yeah i I mean i've heard about a lot of crazy things but that one was nuts. I tell you that that was planned. They wanted to send a message, but
3: I got a story. Just to, you know, you heard of the movie and, and the book by Jimmy Breslin, oh, Gang yeah. That Couldn't Shoot Straight. Right. Okay.
0: They made 19, a movie out of it.
3: Yeah. Nineteen seventy-nine. <laughs> it was a uh, as Johnny knows, there was uh, infighting in the in the uh, Colombo family. It was going to take over the family? To the gallows against the Persicos. Right. And mm. this was ongoing uh off and on then it would simmer down it would start again anyway one night uh uh alley boy who's yeah, the son the uh, who's son. the brother of of uh of uh Carmine right and and he's doing uh, life yet and and, so? and 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 Carmine's son Alphonse T he was known as little alley boy right little Al. With, with a guy named uh, Jerry Lang you knew Jerry Lang right yeah of course okay and and the fourth member of the party, was uh, Charlie the Moose Panarella. Charlie the Moose Marlowe. They all decide that they're going to go out to to dinner, and they frequented a place on the east side, on East 79th Street, called the Neapolitan Noodle, and I've been in there many times, and the reason that they liked this place was because you had to walk downstairs to get into it. Well, I always used to say, you you walk down three stairs physically and socially. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh You you, You go into this place, and they liked it because you couldn't see through the windows from the street. You know, but it was it wasn't better than a middle-class restaurant. I mean, the, the food was excellent. It was small, dimly lit. People from out of town used to come. They used to get people from Westchester County. It wasn't a mob hangout, but these guys went there just to eat dinner. That was, that was their goal, even though there was a war going on. It was, this was a lull in the war. Unbeknownst to them, they were being followed around that night by, uh, by an associate of, uh, of the Gallo, Faction, and he
0: follows the men. To you the know, what we should do that. I mean, the gallows weren't as as high uh, profile as some other people. Maybe you should let them know who the Gallow brothers were, because at <laughs> a at a Red Hook. Okay, there was a there was a few of them. Kid Blast,
3: right? Uh, crazy. Well, child. Blast
0: is still alive, you know. Yes, he he's the only one alive, man. I I see him every Sunday. <laughs> oh you, my! God. He, is he still involved? Well, he he, was, he said he was never involved. Of I mean, course not. But anyway, these... Uh, he owns these a restaurant were, on Mulberry Street. Yeah,
3: okay, these were <laughs> upstarts. You know, I mean, they're, they're trying to make a name for themselves. Anyway, this war's going back and forth. So now we got these four these four maid guys and they're in the restaurant, but they go to the bar first to have a cocktail. Uh, and the the, 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 the gallow informant sees them, races to a phone and said, if we're going to get them, we got to get them now. They're standing at the bar. He described what they were wearing. Uh, where where at the bar they were and it was, the, the hitter was allegedly from Vegas who was standing by because he was involved in this war that was going on for six months
2: mm.
3: he races to the Neapolitan Noodle walks in there, just doesn't go in and start shooting, goes to the bar has a couple of drinks hangs around for about ten minutes you want the guy's walks. name? they don't know, it's an unsolved
0: problem. I'm telling you, he's oh, dead I can say name. it Jasper <laughs> He was
3: Jasper. Jasper, the friendly ghost. Oh, that's Casper. No,
0: no, no. <laughs> Casper. Jas- Jasper owned a restaurant in Vegas on the Strip, very well known, called the Tower of Pizza. Oh my God! Tower of Pizza. But gosh. it was a big Shylock joint, twenty-four hours a day.
3: I mean, you, you can't make this stuff up. No, nope. no not no. at all.
0: <laughs> I, oh. I just happen to remember everybody's name. I take it. I take
3: it. Jasper isn't uh, with us anymore. No,
0: that's the only okay,
3: reason I Jasper. said it. Right. Okay. So uh, you just. To uh, make it more, more uh, familiar, Jasper comes in, has a couple of cocktails, uh, sizes up the situation, walks up behind the four guys, who, by the way, by now, are sitting at the table and they're eating. Four guys took their place. Got one guy that owned a big fish uh, uh, store downtown, two other guys, and a fourth guy, uh, who, you know, who they are or, or lost the memory. You mean he the fourth fish aqua? Somewhere down there, but he, okay. he wasn't a connected guy at all. They were, he owned a fish restaurant or something. I don't know. Really doesn't make a difference because they were not involved at all. They were just going out to dinner with their wives that night. And they're, they're standing at the bar. Jasper pulls out two 38 revolvers and lights them up. Two uh, guys seriously wounded and two
0: dead. He didn't shoot the wives.
3: The wife, you know how these things happen and you know, a bunch of couples go out meant to sort of congregate no, with I each go out by myself
0: for that reason. Yeah and and, and the wives. <laughs> so the on women the,
3: were the separate. They're, they're talking amongst
0: themselves. No. Right, right, right. Okay. They okay. just they just watched it. Well the guys always oh, sit at the, at the end of the yeah. table. And the wives yeah, so, always that's yeah, little, so, so, people think that's people you know I, we have to t- point this out. A lot of people think that Italians when they go out, they used they, this started years ago where the women would be at the end of the table because they never knew what was going to happen. And all the guys sat together. Because <laughs> yeah. that happened, that happened really? with, with Joe Gallo, as you know, for his yeah. birthday. And he was, he was birthday with... Birthday Joe. Yeah. And he was at, at the place he wanted to go down in Chinatown, 14 Mott wasn't open. And it was already 3 o'clock in the morning. It was his birthday. And he had, what's the name with him, the actor uh, from... Yeah. Uh, from uh, uh, Law and Order. Law and Order. But I also did Out for Justice with him. He died of colon cancer after he got his yeah. name. Is, well, got, yeah, but anyway, so they went to Umberto's. I mean, you know, uh, the clam house. Wait. the same thing happened to them. They went in, well, but at least, no, at the, least these guys they only shot killed the right him. guy. Oh yeah, but not only that, they killed him only and not their wives and everything. Else. Okay. That's what I was pointing out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but, yeah, but I'm sorry I had to interrupt. But I just thought they were, that's a, they're big, interesting uh, yeah. hits. Yeah. Big,
3: big, huge, huge at the time. I mean, everybody's up in arms. These poor people are going out to dinner and they get they they, they get blown up. And of course, nothing ever came of it. But let me ask you this, Johnny: What happened to this poor schmuck,
0: Jasper? I mean, he should have been. Did they do anything with him? No, no, no. He he was too well respected. They he said they gave him the wrong information. They, uh, they identified the guy he went in to hit them and it was the wrong people. They yeah, even but... named the table they were supposed to be sitting at. Well, see, it's a, there's a story. He went to the, where,
3: where he said they, they were last scene was at the bar. But can you imagine these guys sitting, eating and watching this? <laughs> oh,
0: well, yeah, because then they knew it was for them. Oh. Hello.
3: I mean, what, what, <laughs> what, That's insane. Fake comes in, you know.
0: No, it's crazy. Oh.
3: It, it's... If it's your time to go, it's time to go. Uh, that was that was the Neapolitan noodle story. Uh, uh, unsolved killing. wow. killings. Yeah.
2: Well, that's, you know, as, as
0: I pointed out before, um, there was a, a Sunday morning, there was a meeting in Brooklyn. So who goes? Frankie Boy DeChico, who was an underboss in the Gambino family at that time. His father was Boozy DiCicco, retired. And John, and John, as you know, hated Paul Castellano. Yeah. And Paul Castellano was the boss. And, you know, Paul became the boss because... Uh, Mr. Gambino, made him the boss and overstepped O'Neil Della Croco, who was his idol. John Gotti idolized O'Neal. So now they hire, and it was Fat Tony Salerno, nobody knows that, or some people know, Fat Tony Salerno hired the hitter to kill John. He wanted John out hmm. while he was just m- moving up. So he gives the contract to Gaspipe. And he blew up the car, but they both walked in to the club. John forgot something in the car. Frankie boy went back out into the car. And from a block away where where he had the detonator, he thought it was Scotty because he had to, you know, and they blew up Frankie boy for no reason at all. That was a
3: command detonated bomb. I mean, he should have known. He should have looked.
0: You well, know, he, I mean, I guess but, yeah. Yeah, I think there was a light drizzle or something. So it was,
3: it was raining. And that's why uh, the, the Chico said, hey, boss, I don't want you to get wet. So right. Let me go out and I'll get blown up. If it turned out.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, talk unbelievable. about. And I, that's, I mean, can, that, that's when John went crazy up. then. Oh, crazy. Nuts. In fact, they, they got a guy, somebody stooled out on somebody and said, this is the guy that had the hit. They brought him to Staten Island. And brought him to a diner at, at the Newdorp Lane called Pauly's Sweet Shop. <laughs> and why they had this diner at the train station, they had a torture room in the bottom. So when the trains would go by, you could, you could be screaming on top of your lungs. You're not going to hear anything. Oh, my goodness. But That's talk about mean. a goof. John ordered to hit on this guy, only to find out he wasn't the guy with the bomb. I mean, this is like, how many people are you going to kill and make mistakes with? Well, you know,
3: that's a classic whoops.
1: Whoops. <laughs> Oopsies. Yeah.
0: No, it was craziness, man. It was, uh... and, and my mother-in-law, my first mother-in-law, Tina Cavano, Nikki Dolls' wife, got the guy off that they thought did this to this other guy because when they came in, they raided the place a few days later. There was a a, a Coca-Cola glass on the bar, and they took it for Prince and it was a friend of mine's prints on it, mm-hmm. but she testified he was in the night before she closed, and he had a coke. I guess she didn't take it off the counter.
2: Oh yeah. yeah.
0: So anyway, I mean, I mean, this stuff you can't make it up, man. It's crazy. That's it's crazy. And then, so the crazy. last but
3: not least, before we uh depart,
0: the Carmine Galante. Oh my God, that was a classic hit. You know, that was on my birthday. Oh really? Well, you can't forget yeah. that one. <laughs> But yeah, he used Joe to I, go I, to that restaurant a lot. And he, he used to sit in that courtyard in the back.
3: Yeah, Joe and Mary's. I, I yeah. tried to get in there because I was working that day. I mean, I wasn't involved in this at all. But anyway, to, to uh, enlighten the audience, Gianni, why don't you tell them about, the, about Carmine?
0: Well, Carmine Galante did time, a lot of time. And when he came back out, he wanted his family back. I mean, it's always about trying to get power back. Right. Yeah. And they, they uh, you know, they weren't going to have it. And this guy, I mean, he was a real greaseball a psychopath too yeah everybody oh. was afraid of this oh yeah i mean my, well there were so many of these bosses that became bosses because they were psychopaths they just cut your throat for no reason
3: mm-hmm. so, And all coincidentally he had a he had a, a dry cleaner next to where i lived on elizabeth street
0: huh you kidding now, me so,
3: no uh 112 elizabeth street on the dry cleaner this is before obviously he went away and i was a little kid yeah. right but if somebody would have held a gun to my head and they say this guy is going to wind up being the most feared mafia guy in the city,
0: I would have said, well, you're going to have to shoot me because I don't believe it. I know, I know. Everybody's grandfather. No, he was, I mean, this guy, and he always had that frigging cigar in his mouth, always. <laughs> yeah. Which was That's ironic a- because, as you know, the famous picture, he he set up a, a lunch and a dinner, then they were ready to hit him. They they watched him. He was so stupid. But he felt safe in that little courtyard. Well, they put, a place called Joe and Mary's. Yeah. And they came in and blew him away, man. Who was they? Yeah. Well, two, him and two, two hit- others. Yeah, People
3: never yeah. talk about the two other people. But two right. others, they yeah. got whacked. Them. Right. Oh, man. Uh, but uh, he had bodyguards, and he was using zips. Because he figured, I'm safe with these guys. Mm-hmm. Right. So while the bodyguards are having cocktails at the bar, these three hitters come in with shotguns and kill everybody, walk out past the bodyguards. And the bodyguards said, I didn't see anything. I don't know what I mean, Bonaventure was one of them. I, I remember that name. Uh, and, and he got rewarded for that. got He got his own crew somewhere. Uh, I don't know, but he just kept his mouth shut. I didn't see anything. What kind of bodyguard huh. is that?
0: I, hello. Jeez. and then the other I'm guy surprised was, they didn't interrogate something. him hard and get him to talk. Well, he, they wouldn't talk anyway. what that talk? That
3: the cigar thing, as Johnny was saying, because so I was never without a cigar. And he smoked a pipe occasionally. I used to see him. Type. But anyway, he's always uh, when he got older, always had a cigar. his about lit or unlit. When he when you know you get hit with shotgun blasts, he sometimes got blown out of your shoes. I mean, it's a powerful weapons. He didn't have the the cigar uh, in his hand or in his mouth at the time. Albert Seedman was a chief of detectives, an old time detective. You know, uh, uh, wore the pork pie hat, smoked a cigar all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he wasn't enlightened by any means. He was an old-time detective, good chief of detectives. Everybody loved him. This, this, in fact, this is a little bit of trivia. He had a gold, solid gold, chief's shield that he had made, encrusted hmm. in diamonds. Wow! Wow! Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Al but Everybody. Hey, he that.
0: wasn't on the take, was he?
3: No, no. <laughs> he, made, he made good investments. Uh, anyway, he, he 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 gets on the scene as Johnny will attest. This but a very narrow place. with a a small courtyard in the back where Carmine felt safe. He goes back And he could smoke back there, too. Yeah. Carmine's Carmine's blown to pieces. And uh, Albert Seidman, you can always say a lot about Chief Seidman. He had a sense of humor. He took this cigar, which was who knows where it was in the yard, and sticks it in his mouth and then tells the Daily News guy to take that iconic picture. Uh, if you picture. go to anywhere on the internet, and put put in Carmine Galanti, That's the picture you're going to see. Yeah, blown away, dead. Uh, he's wearing a short sleeve white shirt. It was hot that day. I remember it was like 90 degrees. But he had uh, a signature in,
0: cigar in his mouth. At the cigar it. in his mouth.
1: That's crazy.
3: Yeah. And that that that's part of the lore well, What year was that? 79. Yeah, September.
0: Yeah, I, I, I remember. Uh,
3: pardon me, July 12th, of 79. Wow. Uh, of course, it, of course, it was my birthday. It's the only reason I remember
0: it. That's right. We're both born on the 12th day of the month.
3: Six right. months apart.
1: Wow.
0: Wow. How's that? Happen?
3: I'm a lot better looking than you, though.
0: Of course. That's uh, what I'm saying. You got more money than me. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm starting to learn how to write how to write your name so I can sign some checks.
0: <laughs> I don't have That's a my... checking account. <laughs> I have no checking account, no credit cards.
1: Well, that's my claim
0: to fame, I'm not being found.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Can't
3: trace it. No driver's license, no car. No car. None of it.
0: Well, you got a lot
3: less headaches, I'll tell you that.
0: Oh, tell me about it. I I started that because of my ex-wives. And then I realized that's the best way they they started to trace you through credit cards. Mm. Well, I left this country so many times. I remember one time I went to the airport and I had I have debit cards which is different than credit cards, right? But just so I can travel, because you had to have some kind of a card. So I got to the airport, and I was looking. I was at the international airport at Los Angeles. Uh, that was after the governor, or something, And um, I used to go to Lufthansa and see a girl. Where are you going? I'm going to Germany. Here, take this card. It's only got a couple of thousand on it, but I just want. I'm getting a bad divorce. I want to screw my wife, spend it. <laughs> and I gave all these cards out. Then I had somebody in the inside. That was really close to me trying to and and he would let me know that it worked again because they said, No, he's he's in Germany. No, he's in Spain, no, he's a that's what I, <laughs> to, I used to give the cards. That's all hilarious. at the same time, nonetheless. Huh?
3: All at the same time.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's Everybody's why been, I did it. Who says you can't
3: be in two places at once? Yeah, I was at
0: five sometimes.
3: That's hilarious. <laughs> There's all kinds of tricks. I worked a divorce case once as a PI, I couldn't find out where this guy was hiding his money. And I'm pretty good at that. So what this guy was doing was he'd get an American Express bill at the end of the month. And this is something he planned for years. Very wealthy guy. He wanted to hide as much as he could. So the plot starts like three or four years prior to serving the soon-to-be ex with divorce papers. Mm-hmm. He was paying like a $5,000 American Express bill with $100,000. And he kept on doing this. And American Express is overpaid by a little bit. That's okay. Hold on to it. Yeah, the 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 best whole, you, you the bank in the world. I, I, I don't think he can do that anymore. No. You know, but this was in the early 80s, and he had a lot of money in there, and uh, I, I couldn't find it. Eventually, the feds, got, the feds found him. And I said, Boy, this guy's smart. I wasn't that smart. I guess he got caught. Mm.
0: Yeah, you you were thing. able to do that too with airlines for a while. Oh, buy tickets? Buy a lot of tickets, and then don't use them. They, they bank it for you. Huh. And oh, that'll wow. have 20, 30, 40,000 with airlines.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, it doesn't well, work anymore. No, not that it? much.
0: They won't hold over five thousand. Oh, I mean, you could buy you buy two first class tickets on American going somewhere. It's five thousand.
1: Hmm. Got it. Ah,
0: <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's crazy, but I, I think you know when we start thinking of you know the the crazy stories of these people and and the the unorganized crime with yeah. organ- I mean, unorganized yeah. hits. It's crazy, right? It's yeah, a-
1: well, guys, I don't have any stories to uh well, to God. share that compare to the same topic. You don't. Very but-
3: surprised. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Very interesting though. It's also crazy.
0: No, man. I mean, I but it's still going on now. It's I mean, got you know. And, and these
1: guys, they don't err on the side. They what? Well, they do
3: err on the side of caution. They don't know who's talking, so they whack everybody.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. Oh my. When gosh. in doubt, kill them. Uh, absolutely. You know, a dead witness is the best witness. Mm. <laughs> Well, I mean, in uh, in today's modern world, with this MX thirteen, what's this game? The, the gang.
3: No, <laughs> MX 13
0: uh, Yeah. Well, game. I I'm I'm following this because I want to see what happened. Uh, uh, I'm sure our audience remembers this. It happened last year in a bodega, in the middle of the night or late at night, and they followed this kid in. Yeah, I remember that. And they dragged him out. They chopped him up with a machete. And even the bodega guy wouldn't let him over the counter. And they dragged the kid out and killed him. And I know for a fact, a girl, because I'm following this case, I want to see what happens with this girl. Right. A girl told her boyfriend in MX-13 that this is the guy, because the guy she was cheating with had the same built as the guy they killed. And oh, she, she fingered this kid. The oh. kid was an innocent and a police cadet, Pat. A police oh, cadet. And where
1: was this? Which borough was it? Uh, Bronx. It was the Bronx. Yeah. Okay, I was, I Pretty was thinking sure. that sounds and familiar. I
3: don't even think this was
1: last year. I think this was this year.
0: Was it this year? It was oh, definitely no, 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 recent. On, no, no
3: right. It was
0: the yeah. It was the end, of, end of last year. Yeah, right. But I'm saying, and this is still going on. And right. these guys, their their only weapon of choice is a machete, because it goes back to the origin of the mx13s I uh-huh. mean, and they're saying i mean I, I know a lot of guys on the job here yet and uh the the, the gang coordinators they're saying there's fifty thousand members of these guys yeah, they're all over the place yeah, that's scary. most yeah. of them most of them are in a can yeah but and they're, they're, they're run organizing run the these kids and these kids have to make their bones by killing somebody
1: mm-hmm Aren't they mostly in the Bronx, too? Is that no, how no. it is? No? They're in everywhere. Beth
0: Page. They're in they're all the suburbs. In, they're, in,
1: they're, in, they're in Middle
3: America. They're
0: everywhere. Oh, they're everywhere. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah they're no. not just here. Yeah. They're all the way to California.
3: Oh, gosh. And, no. you know, they... It's very difficult to uh, infiltrate the gang because to get in, you have to murder somebody. And that's, by the way, that's anybody.
0: Right. Walking okay. down the
3: street, anybody. Anybody. And they know a cop is not going to kill somebody to infiltrate them. Right. right I mean, if, if anybody's
1: it. trying to get in to...
3: Well, yeah. i tell you, where they're particularly prevalent is in Suffolk County, Long Island.
0: Really? Yeah.
3: Big contingent of MS-13.
0: Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah, yeah. 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 And that's how I was reading. I'm just so interested to see how they handle this, because this kid was squeaky clean. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, they, and... they got
1: the guys, Johnny. Oh, right. They
0: all got all the guys. I know. One guy just flipped on them now, All. Oh, that's uh, dangerous.
1: Wasn't I it on it. camera, too? Outside the bodega, I feel like no, I it was saw inside
0: it. and outside the camera. Yeah, I feel yeah. like it was. Yeah, it was she definitely on, the no, on was all, camera too. Everything was there. I right. Mean, there was no question uh-huh. of who did it and why they did it. Yeah. But uh, but the girl figured fingered this kid as being the kid, and it wasn't him. Uh, it wasn't him. She wouldn't give up the guy. She was really screwing. Oh man. Man, but I mean that. I want to see what they do. And I have no mention. I heard no mention of this yet about the girl. They got the guys. They're going to trial now, I think.
3: You know, about a month ago on the, uh, uh, the Flushing IRT, and I think it was in Corona, uh, MS-13 guys attacked a target and sliced them up, uh, like with this poor kid.
0: Broad daylight with witnesses. Oh, yeah, they don't care. No, yeah. And they got, they got caught within two days. Well, that's the problem. I mean, today, as we all know, cameras are everywhere. I mean, yeah. he, these guys, they create, create a crime. Thank God what happened in Texas yesterday when that guy snatched that little girl. Oh,
2: yeah. Oh, because, I don't know about that.
0: Yeah, because of the cameras on her porch and, and the, uh, what, do they, what do they call that alert? Um, Amber the, alert? Uh, Amber alert.
2: Yeah.
0: Went up with the make of the car,
2: mm-hmm. a
0: good Samaritan, saw the car in a motel, a 51-year-old guy. And how little what, was the what, girl? What, she was twelve. 12 years old, she was, oh with, my her God. The, the
1: she was with her the mother. She was with her mother. Right out of her right.
0: arms. Right out of her arms. Are you serious? That's, yeah. that's a on good, video. I mean, the great, internet. what a yeah. great ending because of cameras. Right. I mean, anybody out there that's a crook, just don't, quit don't now. Do it, man.
1: Just quit <laughs> Just quit while you're
3: ahead. Yeah, it, it, if you're photogenic, you're, gonna, you're not going to have a successful criminal. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. It.
0: No, I mean, it's oh, it's man. so crazy. And Fortunately and unfortunately, I mean the example. when we're talking right now, we're talking over fifty years of killings and mistakes. Even these guys are doing it's it. Still now. going on. Yeah, it's still crazy, man. The biggest mistake was uh, the uh, uh, Arnold
3: Schuster killing. You remember that, Johnny? No. What year was that? Fifty-four. Willie Sutton oh, uh, was yeah. a uh, a celebrity bank robber. Right. Uh, his famous quote was, uh, when they asked them, Hey, Willie, why do you rob banks? Cause he's, well, that's where the money is
1: <laughs> but anyway.
3: what he was known for was escaping prisons and he escaped from Sing Sing. I mean, he escaped from three or four prisons and he was a celebrity. He would oh. disguise himself. He was a very innovative guy. He worked alone. He would disguise himself as a mailman or utility worker, walk in, hold up the money, nonviolent guy, Un- not violent at all. Anyway, the last time he escaped, he's uh, uh, number one on the FBI's 10 Most Wanted list. I believe it was 1954. And uh, uh, an insurance salesman, a guy by the name of Arnold Schuster, Mm -hmm. is walking down a block in Brooklyn. And there was a big reward out for him. Uh, Literally number one on the FBI's Most Wanted list. He was out for a while. Sees a guy that looks like Sutton and taps a beat cop on the shoulder and says, hey, that's Willie Sutton. And of course, the cop didn't believe him, but he took him in anyway. Turns out it was Willie Sutton. Big huh. deal. The, the, the cop gets promoted to detective first grade overnight. Schuster is uh, is a big celebrity. And who's watching all this? Albert Anastasia. And there's nothing Anastasia hated worse than a rat. Mm. Wow. Schuster survived two weeks. Oh, man. And gunned them down. Family man with kids. And on Anastasia's orders... He was he was whacked.
1: Oh my wow. gosh, that's crazy! Yeah.
3: I never heard that one. Oh, uh, it's a, Arnold Schusterman. You know, he just wanted to uh, Anastasia wanted to make
0: a point. They didn't call him the Lord High Executioner for nothing. Oh, but he was nuts. Mm. You know, I mean, I, I I had the privilege of playing him in a movie called oh, yeah. Louis, Louis Lepke. Oh, you he could have done a lot Bokalter that man, that's right? Hard. And uh, Tony Curtis played Louis Buchholzer, and I played Albert and most people don't know it, Tony Anastasia confirmed me. Brother? So, yeah. He was the head of the International Long Show. I used to go to his house down in, uh, in Asbury Park. Hmm. I thought I was in a hotel. This guy, <laughs> this No, this guy, I mean, forget it. So when I was going to do the movie, I, I called, I can't say who his daughter is, because she's very famous in New York. Oh. And his grandchildren, yeah. And uh, have no association, they don't... Nobody knows. Okay. And uh so I went and talked to him, and I thought I'd get this answer. They knew nothing about Albert or even their father. They said he worked out the docks. He was the head of the docks, so we don't know what he did. Uh, like well, most the kids. You know. life. They were telling the truth, right? No, they were. They were actually telling the truth. Wow. Well, I guess we came to another end oh, of a great evening. Goodness. I can't believe this time just flies by. I know. So, again, I want to repeat, we started our second season. Mm-hmm. This is our 21st show. We're not taking a break because we, we, we want to have 10 million followers before we take a break. So, please, <laughs> start subscribing. Show? I want to go away. I don't want to go on a vacation. I'm only <laughs> kidding. No, you don't. We love you all. Spread the word. Tell your friends. And every Wednesday night, we put a new show up. And watch out where you eat
3: in Italian restaurants. Yeah, Yeah.
0: everybody, keep an eye out. It's time for the mailbag. Thank God for this mailbag and phone call numbers and you people staying in touch with us. It's a great segment of the show. In fact, we'd like your input on it. If you're enjoying it, you want it extended. But uh, it gives us tremendous input of who our listeners are, what their curiosities are. So I think Pat and Megan, let's... Hit the mailbag. All
1: right, let's do it. So Robert says, this is both directed for Gianni and Pat, he says he's shocked by all the changes that have taken place in Manhattan over the years. He wrote, while it's more built up and fashionable, I couldn't help but feel that it's lost some of its, quote, soul. Sure, it's cleaner, but I miss the grit and earthiness of the old city. What are your thoughts?
0: Well, my thoughts, I mean... uh... The, the grit, and I, I still feel the grit, actually. Hmm. I, I don't know where he's hanging out. I, I go to Mulberry Street, and uh, whenever I can, actually, I try to get down there at least once a, a week sometimes even, just for that old-school feeling. Mm-hmm. But again, I live on the Upper East Side, and not much has changed where you could see the drastic changes. Hmm. So to yeah, me... Yeah, the, the little Italy is a lot smaller than it used to be. That's well, yeah, sure. but see, when when uh, with me... And I don't know how many families, how many people know this. Each block was run by a family. So my blocks that I'm hanging on was the same blocks I was allowed to hang on. Hmm. <laughs> so I went from the Ravenite up to Canal Street. You know, then people were on, you know, you know the neighborhood better than anybody, Pat. Oh, absolutely. It was all chopped up. And uh, and uh, O'Neil De La Croco and those guys and Matty the Horse and... People are no longer around because, just because they just outlived themselves, fortunately. But I, I love the charm of it, yet. And I, I can't say that the, you're going to eat off the sidewalks anywhere. <laughs> you know, what
3: I find uh, is, the, is the lack of safety. Now, how many parents now would let their kids go out? I mean, we, we had our playtime timed. When the sun came up, we left the house.
0: And the sun came down. We went back for
2: dinner. Well, I, I think that has a lot to do with the neighborhoods.
3: We
0: but that neighborhoods watched out for everybody's kid. They knew. I you know. Were. Well, but now you don't. Well, have when I was that. in Queens, too, same thing. We'd go out and stay out. Yeah, but I'm, I'm stay Well, all I could see, just with the amount of kids I know and the amount of kids I have, you don't have that unity anymore. I mean, nah. yeah, if you if you move out of, out of a city, you really don't have neighborhoods that are Italian neighborhoods or Jewish neighborhoods. It's, uh, it's mixed oh, with all probably. kinds of people and it's all those kinds of people you don't know or trust. And uh, You know what know. I also
3: miss? Times Square in, in the 60s and 70s, it was a cesspool. I loved it. Really? Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> uh, we would once again, tactical patrol force, the, the, no one was able to control the deuce, which is what it was called. Uh, 42nd Street from uh, Broadway to 8th Avenue, one block, we had 26 cops on that block. Uh, Why do you uh, like that?
0: It's interesting.
3: It, you know, that was during the, the height of the Vietnam War when every runaway kid from the United States was showing up. And where did they go? The only thing they ever heard of from, you know, in Dubuque, Iowa, was Times Square. They show up in Times Square. to get off at the Port Authority bus terminal and not know anybody. They would gravitate to Times Square. And naturally, where there's homeless kids with no direction, in come the pimps. And come to drug dealers. Every other storefront was a peep show. Drugs sold on, on on the street. We had like fourteen cops on each side of the street, and it was thousands of people on one block. You couldn't see another police officer standing next to you. Mm. No, I mean, it was it was, but it was it it was exciting. Something different going on at all times. Your 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 your, your sense of danger was heightened. And you were now, now beaten the sixties. Disneyland.
1: No, it's Disneyland. Now it's Disneyland.
3: It is well. Yeah, they're all the
0: characters alone. I know. All oh, that is the, true. I hate the, those the, things. Those I hate those too. things. They all seem like uh, they're from. Uh, I don't want to say. I don't oh, sound prejudiced, but anyway. But uh, I know what you mean. Yeah, but I, um, but that was during the '60s. Oh yeah. Well,
3: I came on the job in '68, so it was uh, late '60s, late 60s 70s, all, 70s.
0: all of the '70s, and so then that, that's when uh, Giuliani came in and, and cleaned it. Yeah, up. Yeah, and
3: that's uh, you know, Mr. Crime Fighter, and that was the end of that. That was the end of the good times. Mm. I mean, I could tell you stories.
0: I wouldn't want to hear them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you could uh, talk was, about
0: them because you had it, a gun and a shield. <laughs>
1: yeah, right. <laughs> well, yeah,
0: we man, were down was, there. We didn't just, have any that's... guns and shields. We had permission. We had guns and no shields. well You were halfway there. Well, you yeah, but we were, we were there just to try to have fun. <laughs> yeah. And God forbid you no, got was, no way. it was uh, people...
3: You know, people would, were, would, were different. And it's, uh, like Johnny was saying, was, the areas were a lot more cohesive. Even that area, you, you go one block north of 43rd Street, and that's what started Hell's Kitchen and real cohesive neighborhoods of Irish right. families that have, have been there since the turn of the last century.
0: Yeah, see, you know, and I, I was, those kids went out and played stickball. Because exactly. everybody they're looking out the windows, their mothers, and everybody sitting on the stoops, they were, they were the watchdog of the neighborhoods. Hmm.
3: Nothing ever, ever happened bad in where we lived. I don't care where it was. No. Parents had no concerns with you being gone all day. Oh, yeah. Wow. I literally. I mean, obviously, no cell phones. Uh, we just go out and... You and, just and, yell and, out and the play. window. Ah, where are
2: you? Yeah, definitely And, and if,
3: you, if you weren't within hearing distance, whoever heard your name would, would scream say, out yeah. your name
0: and would How pass up the block. For you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, oh, so you. Yeah, so true. Wow. And then you would go home. That Which sounds was a like great, good times. A great security, though. Oh, yeah. know? And, and, and my, most fathers had a, a unique whistle, like a dog whistle.
1: My mom can do that. That's how she used only, to whistle us to come kid. in for dinner. Yeah,
0: it's, well, that's we're saying the she same She used thing. to
1: do that when we were out in our neighborhood. Well, there you go.
0: We're talking about the same thing. Yeah. Nothing yep. has changed, and you're a few years younger than us. Yeah. I,
1: I do think that's different now, because that was when I didn't have a cell phone until I was in high school. Which uh, is which is usually I'll different for product. my. Oh, it was it was fine for me, but that is how she would get us to come home for dinner. She would pop her head out the front door and, and whistle. Yeah, that whistle, that's perfect.
3: You yeah. know what we had, and this is true: two tin cans and a string. <laughs> oh yeah, we used that. I'm serious. You did know, I thought to your friend upstairs in the next apartment. He would throw how a can the out the window attached to a string, and sound would travel along that string. It's, string. it's so weird.
1: I don't get how that works. No, but And that so was the phone: two tin cans and a string. Wow. Good times. God, I feel old. (laughs) No, never. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So moving on. Pat, Jim has a question for you. Um, He said he loves the book, as do so many. And he asked, how many books have you written total and are any of them similar to Hollywood Godfather?
3: Well, thank you. That must be one of my relatives. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) uh, eight published books I've written. I've sold a screenplay, a bunch of short stories and all that. But eight published books, and mostly I collaborate with people like Johnny who want their story told mm. and, you know, don't know the business and, you know, their writing is, is a unique skill like anything else. I, I couldn't be an actor, you know, this is my skill. So I, I collaborated on probably six of the eight with other people, mostly, oh, I'm sorry, I think mostly, all of them are cops or gangsters. <clears throat> Wow. Hmm. There's a fine line there, if you will agree with me, Gianni, you know. Oh, yeah, hello. Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah, uh, and uh-huh. I, I wrote, I wrote uh, two novels. And, of course, you don't have to you know, collaborate with anybody there. But uh, eight published books, I say I probably wrote 11 or 12 books, and th- those didn't get published.
1: Mm.
3: So, uh, yeah, that's it.
1: Wow. Awesome. All right, so George asks for me, This is a a change.
0: George, you got a good good, (laughs) good taste, taste, George.
1: (laughs) So George says, Megan, what are your plans for the future now that you've graduated college?
0: She's not Hmm. going nowhere. (laughs) Interesting question.
1: Yeah, that is true. Um, Yeah, for now, I'm having fun doing this. And as for plans for the future, I'm sticking with Gianni and Pat. Whatever they got coming on that they want well, me to be a part of.
3: Indictment comes down the road. Oh you know, gosh. Like uh oh. We go. We'll, a we'll, we'll
0: use her as a character witness.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. No, so don't you want to go? with You, you had mentioned to me once that uh, you liked acting and you were thinking of going along those lines. I did.
1: That was my that was my first love was acting. Um, and All then and then.
0: Let me let local Johnny answer the question. Go ahead. Where what do you want to going. do? What we have planned for her and she's agreeing and I'm. Talking to our father all the time. Oh, all the time. He loves you. And uh, I think we have an opportunity for all of us to move forward, especially on the project with the book becoming a movie, which is more a reality each day and with major people. So, to answer the question, I think Megan's future in the entertainment business is going to be huge. Um, she's perusing with us the EPK package which is an electronic press kit that most people, lay people don't know, is created as your shoot a movie, which we'll be doing shortly. And we use all of that and it gives her an opportunity to be on the scene asking the questions to all the stars. And it basically gives us, the producers, a way to control the publicity and how it leaks out. So, and she's gonna do a lot of walk-on parts, parts that we know. She can handle, and she'll feel comfortable with. So there's a lot of opportunities in the next four or five years. Who knows where she may wind up? That's mm. what we we all see for her, and obviously we're, we've been blessed to have him grooming her. Now we're only up to eight, not even six, seven months. That's about. I know, and the Academy only... Award goes to oh Megan my... Haran.
1: Gosh, yeah, we only met in January,
0: January first. Oh, it's, it's been a great relationship. I got to know our family, and, nice. and um, Pat and I, I'm glad we sat down and said, you know, we talked about it, and then I went on uh, uh, New Year's Eve holiday, mm-hmm. and we met in a church with our family, which was great. Great great meaning to me, anyway.
1: Mm. And yeah. I'm still eternally grateful for that.
0: No. And, uh, I'm me also, and Pat. <laughs>
1: well, thank Absolutely. you. All right, so Carol asks for both Gianni and Pat, do either of you guys have a bucket list? If so, what's on it?
0: Whoa. Well, mine, I know I'm almost there. Gianni, um... <laughs> you know, you're not almost there. You've been a long way to go. <laughs> I know, but I mean, with what, I'm, what we're doing now, we're getting into the film business again, and I always wanted to be a part of a motion picture, egotistically, one, about my life, which we're, that's what we'll be doing, and I, even if we just get nominated not just, but I mean, get nominated for a Golden Globe or an Oscar, and then go on to tell my story, to encourage so many people, if you have a dream, follow it. because I'm a dreamer, believe me, I'm a dreamer, and uh, it's happened to me, and with Pat's uh, cre- credibility that's Pat's mother calling him. <laughs> but um, uh, Sorry with, about that. With Pat's art as a writer look what we've accomplished with Hollywood Godfather. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be able to open a lot of doors for a lot of people and help a lot of people by the achievements we're getting and the accolades we're getting.
3: And I I would say, one, what Gianni just said. Mm -hmm. I without a doubt, this has opened up a whole new chapter in my life, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Uh, On a personal note, I'd like to go back to Vietnam. Really? Yeah, they're not shooting at anybody over there now, mm. <laughs> which hmm. helps. And I, yeah, I'd, I'd like to go back. It's been, uh, I've been thinking about it for a long time. That's on the list. Uh, and I, I, I will make it.
2: Hmm. It's just something,
3: it's something I have to do. I can't explain it when I go
0: back. Well, yeah. I mean, who, who could know the reason for that? Right. I don't it's even know the reason for until yeah. I get there.
3: Hmm.
0: You know, uh, but that's. That's... Well, that's an airline ticket. That's easy.
3: Yeah, sure. Yeah,
0: it's, <laughs> Whenever you're that, up that, to it.
3: Time. You know, that's all my is. Yeah, time now. Yeah, I'm uh, looking. Uh, primarily, I'm looking very much forward to working with you guys, and uh, who, who knows where this little adventure is going to lead
0: us. But so far, we're doing fine. Yeah, so far oh, it's yeah. going well. It's yeah. in different ways too. In different <laughs> facets, yeah, facets of the stone that we're controlling. Absolutely, it's perfect. Actually,
1: all right. So I think that's it for tonight.
0: What wow. do you think? I love it. Well, another section of the mailbag and phone calls and. Thank you all again, and Pat, and Megan, and we all share the same sympathies and thank yous of tuning in, subscribing, telling your friends, pass the word along, because we thoroughly enjoy visiting you, and I hope you all feel the same way we do. Hmm. Good night, night, guys. All right, good night, Good night. night,
1: guys. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. My name is Megan Horan. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Pitcharelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website giannirusso.com. You can also visit amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Pitcharelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at hollywoodgodfatherpodcast as well as leave us a review on iTunes. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Good night.